Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to a continued special series of Wolf Whistle Podcasts, The Journo's Journal, where we speak to closely connected journalists about their time supporting Wolves, reporting on the club and telling us their pre-Fosen best 11. We're delighted to be joined today by Steve Herman. Steve has covered news and sport on Beacon Radio, BBC Radio WM and now BBC Radio Wolverhampton. Steve was also a pitch side announcer at Molyneux, then moved to the press box, reporting on dozens of games including the Europa League in Braga and at Wembley. Steve, how are you mate? Top man, Jace. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good, good, good. Now, I know, Steve, um, you're obviously heavily involved at the minute um, with BBC Radio Wolverhampton. How's that going? Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm adjusting to the early shift because uh, I'm reading the, the news and the sport on the breakfast show. But it's been really good. And, and the response we've had has been fantastic, you know, from, from people in Wolverhampton, to have a dedicated radio station because as you mentioned I work at Beacon Radio back in the, back in the day but that is no more and it's had a really good positive response uh, which has been great to see and we've been delving more into the communities and and speaking to people and speaking to a lot of Wolves fans as well which which is great to give them more airtime so yeah I've, I've been really enjoying it and that's really good to be honest Steve because obviously we all know the situation we're in at the minute with the pandemic and when I saw the BBC radio had ventured into Wolverhampton the way they have I was actually quite surprised because listen the work you guys do on WM is fantastic but it's now having its own sort of uh, local station um, Wolves can get a lot more coverage can't they? Yeah that, that's the thing um we've, we've still got like wm we've still got the the full match commentaries on the wolves so we've, we've got them um obviously coverage is a bit different during the pandemic and and that that's not to mention the fact that there's no fans there which you know we all we all want that to change because yes. commentaries aren't the same without them you know it's it, it's very i've done a couple of commentaries uh in behind closed doors and don't get me wrong i'm I felt really fortunate that I've been able to go and really lucky because I have yes. missed it. But at the same time, it's not the same. You, you, <laughs> for a start, you're very conscious. I mean, I, I probably shout a lot anyway for when a goal goes in. Yeah. But you're even more, you're even more conscious because every everybody can hear what you're saying. Um, <laughs> and it's yeah, it's just not the same. So, uh, so fingers uh, crossed we can get back to normal at some point. I mean, yes, we need to. And obviously, I was reading out your bio. Uh, I mean, pitch side announcer at Wolves. As a Wolves fan, that must have been great. And some of the games you've reported on pitch side, I mean, Wembley in the semi-final. What was that like, Steve? That was an absolutely surreal experience. I mean, I remember as a fan the 1998 semi-final against Arsenal. I know that's one that you've covered in the past on yes. the podcast. And I've got memories of going to that one as a, a fan. And we know that Mark McGee messed up the team lineup that day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, fast forward all those years on to be a fan. And, and it was, as I say, we, we interviewed a lot of Wolves fans on Wembley Way, me and Daz Hale. And then I was the pitch side reporter for the games and uh, for the game and, I was sat behind the Wolves dugout, 
So I was literally five yards away from Nuno, had a pitch side level view. I was 10 yards away from the FA Cup that was on the plinth as the teams walked out and just had a fantastic view of the Wolves fans in the stands. And don't get me wrong, it's it's weird in a way. I mean, it was quite funny, really, because uh, I was a few yards away from uh, Manish Basan from BBC yeah. and, the Moose from Talk, and the Moose from Talk Sport. And when... Doherty scored and when Jimenez scored the goal in that semi-final we, we know what happened in the end of course but yeah. when those goals went in the fan in me came out and yeah <laughs> so forget, forget the mic forget we're on air forget we're on my job <laughs> yeah exactly um I, I was going just as mad um but keeping it clean. <laughs> yes, that's the only thing I had. That's the only thing I had to do. But yeah, I've been very privileged. I mean, like what you said about doing the pitch side announcing. Um, I was I was a PA assistant for a couple of seasons, and yeah. I always remember one of my favorite one of my favorite games because basically a PA assistant was basically I had a walkie talkie in my hand, and Jason Forrest was the PA announcer yes, back in the yes. day. Um, and I basically had to, on the walkie-talkie, tell him the substitutions and who'd scored. And I, I did it during the Premier League season, the first Premier League season in 2003-04. Yeah. And so, again, I, I was in the fourth official's dugout in between Dave Jones's dugout and Sir Alex Ferguson's dugout when Kenny Miller scored that goal against Manchester United. Oh. Um, the 4-3 against Leicester City. So... Again, just really fortunate to be in in those positions because at the end of the day, I am a fan. Oh, of course. And your sister, I believe, she's now retired, but she used to play for Wolves women's team, didn't she, Steve? She did. Uh, she had uh, two spells over the course of about two decades. Um, I remember going to see her watch. Uh, I used to watch her play down at New Slane, Willingall Town's old ground. Yeah. I think it's Sporting, Sporting Kelsey's ground now. And, um, yeah, I'm not ashamed to admit that she was better than me. I was going to ask that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, she used to nutmeg me in the garden. I used to kick her in the shins. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and that's why I was a goalkeeper um, for, for Cuford Eagles in the Stourbridge Youth League. I wasn't any good. But, um, but yeah, that's why I was a goalkeeper and she was the outfield player. She was a lot better than me, but don't don't tell her I said that. Oh, that is brilliant. And I believe as well, I know you are, you're a regular listener to the, uh, to the podcast, aren't you, Steve? I am. Genuinely, I'm not just saying this because, you know, uh, it's really great to be on and I appreciate you asking me. Um, genuinely, it's one of my favourite podcasts. I think there are a lot of Wolves podcasts out these days. Yes. And you've found a really good niche because I think everybody, you know, your podcasts are timeless because you can listen to them. It doesn't matter when you listen to them because it's all about talking about the past and, and reminiscing through good times and bad, which yes. obviously I'm looking forward to doing as well. And yeah, some of the guests you've, you've had on, you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, well, Steve, that means that means a lot to me, especially coming from someone in the trade, a journalist like yourself. Now, we have set you the task of picking your pre-Fosun best 11. And I know that you've, um, up until 20 minutes ago, you just texted me to say there's a couple of, couple of late changes to your team. Um, what formation are you going to go for, Steve? Oh, well, yeah, it, this has given me sleepless nights. Um, so <laughs> good. Thanks for, so thanks very much for that. Good, good, um, Steve, because I've got a newborn, so I'm having plenty of sleepless nights at the minute. 
yeah, join, join the club, exactly. <laughs> um, so, well, initially it was four two three one, but you could easily call okay. it four four two. So let, let's just say let's just say basic four four two, shall we? Let's go old school. Brilliant. So we're going for a four four two. So who is going to keep goal for Steve Herman's best pre and best Wolves eleven? Okay. Well, as I mentioned. I was a goalkeeper in the Stourbridge Youth League for yes. Cupid Eagles, so I loved my goalkeepers back in the day. And one of my favourite players, this is this was difficult because yeah, my favourite player growing up was, and I had posters on the wall of Mike Stow. Yeah, but oh. he's on my he's on the bench. Um, and like, like, like I said, it was really tough this one because I loved Mickey Stout back in the day. What a keeper! Yes, you know, still hold, still holds the record for the most appearances. He does. But, but the person that has picked him to the posts or in between the posts is Matt Murray. Matt Murray. Now, listen, as you know, I'm a I'm a good friend of of Matt. I mean, look, Matt, he only played 100 games for the club and that is no no slight anymore, no disrespect to him. Um, and that was obviously due to prevailing injuries. But what a goalkeeper and one which certainly, if it wasn't for injuries and his injury, his career wasn't cut short, he would have definitely played for England. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, Looking back once again as a fan and, and watching him grow, you know, it was great to see a goalkeeper from the academy. And Wolves have been blessed with a number of goalkeepers coming through the academy over yes. the years. But for me, Matt was the one, you know, six foot five frame, built like anything, you know, yeah. just massive frame, imposing goalkeeper, you know, brilliant shot stopper. But also, I remember him being one of the first for Wolves that whenever a cross came into the box, you weren't nervous because yes. Matt Murray was there. And yeah. I, um, I I did a recent feature for BBC Radio WM called uh, My Sporting Memory. And I got Matt on to obviously talk about the 2003 playoff final and, and him getting man of the match and the penalty save and all that. But he, he, he talked about in that, that you know, he used to intimidate. You know, he used to intimidate the opponents in the tunnel. Yeah, that was when it started the mind games for him. And he said, you know, I'd look in the tunnel, I'd look over, I'd be towering over everybody, and I would look at them and say, "I'm six foot five. I'm calling keepers. If you want to come and collect it, you want to take me on. You take me on." Yes, I you mean, know? what? And it was just such a shame. You're quite right. He saved that penalty in the playoff final. Um, played against Blackburn in the opening game where we got stuffed, and that wasn't Matt's fault, by the yeah. way. Uh, and sadly, he missed the entirety of the campaign. And I think that itself played a big part in, in obviously, Wolves' relegation. Oh, without a doubt, certainly. I, I was there for that game, that 5-1. I remember when Stefan Everson scored. Yeah. It was, you know, we're going to win 4-3, we're going to win 5-4 and, and all that. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it wasn't a great day, was it? But no. Just a shame. It, it was a, just a shame. It was uh, such a shame because, once again, Matt, I think that was his stage. It was. And like you said, I mean, he, he had England under 21 on us. Yes. Um, he, he got that far. But without a doubt, he would have been a regular in the England squad, if not the number one goalkeeper at the time. I always remember, you know, not uh, you know, a few years later, uh, 
Joe Hart coming through. And he was just as good as Joe Hart was in, in his prime. A tall, imposing goalkeeper, great at shot stopping. And um, as you say, you're, you're good mates with him. And I, I consider Matt a friend as well. Uh, don't get to see him as often now because we, we, we're not at grounds as much. But, um, you know, he's done absolutely brilliant with his post-playing career. And he, yes. he took it with grace, the retire. You know, he's been retired 10 years almost I now, I think it is. So, up to 10 so years. quick. Yeah, it's crazy. Because uh, I, I actually remember interviewing him. They did a press conference when he announced his retirement. And I remember interviewing him. And like I said, I was in the stands at Cardiff and I watched him as a fan. And I actually told him, I, I said to him, you know, just you had an amazing career and I'm really sorry, you know. Um, said it to him as a fan rather yes. than as a journalist. And off the back of that, that's when he asked me to be part of his testimonial committee, which was one of the most amazing experiences that I've had so I've got a lot to thank Matt Murray for not just as a fan but also as a friend brilliant so really you couldn't have picked anyone else <laughs> yeah, yeah I have to admit that's part of the reason heck. yeah if you'd have picked Mickey Starr mate he'd have been, he'd have been well angry um, do, do you know what I'll, I'll tell you another story very quickly yes of uh, course about Mickey Starr because uh, for Matt Murray's testimonial, um, you know, it was against an all-star eleven, yes. and the manager of and the manager of um, the manager of the team for I think it was the Wolves. I'm trying to think back now. He, he either managed the Wolves team or the all-star eleven. It, it slips my memory. Um, but Mickey Stowell was one of the managers. Yes. And I remember because my sister always reminds me about this. She took a picture from afar. Because I, I was doing the PA announcing that day, so at half time I was having a chat with Mickey Stell about the substitutions that were they were going to make. Yeah. And um, my sister took my sister took a picture, and she always says, "How mad is that that you are on pitch side for Matt Murray's testimonial, and you are chatting to Mike Stell, who was your favourite player growing up, and yet here I am putting him putting him on the bench in <laughs> favour of Matt Murray." So. <laughs> I don't think, so, I don't think yeah. Mickey stole this since you're pretty safe, um, Steve. But no, listen, great stories. Who is going to be on your, your 4 4 2, flat back 4? Who is going to be your right back, Steve? Okay, this is one of the ones that changed in the last couple of days. Right. Um, because <laughs> I, I started with Dennis Irwin. Yeah. Then I, then I changed it to Kevin Foley. Yeah. And now, this is nailed on now. Andy Thompson, I know he was primarily a left-back, really. Like He played majority there, but I'm going with Andy Thompson. I mean, listen, Andy Thompson, you, you obviously know him as well because he works in the media now and he's carved a great career there. Um, but as a right-back, there was, or as a full-back, as a right-back, I mean, he played almost everywhere for Wolves. He was such a dependable player, wasn't he, Steve? You could really rely on him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it, it, it's a, not a heart-ruling head choice because without a doubt he was a fantastic fullback. But I think partly as well, it's harking back to the era that I grew up on. Yes. You know, my my first game was the uh, fourth division playoff final second leg, which we lost to Aldershot one. Yes, now. yeah. So you know, I started with playoff heartache and uh, and got used to it in in the years after that. <laughs> yeah, of plenty, been plenty of that. <laughs> Yeah, it was good preparation. But um, no, like really sort of early 90s onwards was probably the, the more so. And he was solid, like you said, he was dependable. 
and penalties. I mean, forty-five goals. Yeah. For a full fullback, I know he took penalties, but he he took brilliant penalties. Um, so for me, Andy Thompson gets the nod, and I I have actually just realised that that's two out of two. Murray and Thompson, and, and they are two people who I've commentated alongside, so I promise it's not bias. <laughs> See, I know Bully wasn't happy with Tom, I was taking all the penalties, because he said, obviously Andy Thompson scored uh, 45 penalties, or 40, yeah, I believe it was that many, wasn't it? And then uh, you've got Bully who scored 306 goals, so he said, if Andy Thompson would have let me tag in the penalties, I'd have got 350 goals for Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. So, if Tomo's your right back, there must be a seriously good left back, Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, again, this was tough, and, and, and this has changed probably in the last hour. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. I've, I've gone for Sam Ricketts. Okay, but left field, so Sam Ricketts. In fact, listen, Sam. Um, when he come to Wolves, I've got to be honest, he wasn't a signing that jumped off the page by any means. And, you know, it was just, oh, it's, you know, another defender, whatever. But what, you know, what a difference he made to that club when we was in League One. Yeah, it's it's literally a, literally a left field choice, Jay. Uh, literally. Um, that, and that's the reason why, because we were in an absolute mess. Yes, you know, we'd been relegated back to back. Yeah. And Kenny Jackett came in and he shook that club up. You know, I know you've talked a lot on, and you've had a few members of the bomb squad on your podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, in, I'll tell you what, on a side note, the, the Jamie O'Hara one was a brilliant episode and it was oh, interesting insight to, to hear from a member of the bomb squad. Yes. Um, about it. So I, I do have a bit more sympathy for them. But Sam Ricketts, at the end of the day, was Kenny Jackett's general. Yeah. You know, he came in as the experienced man, the captain. And as I say, it is a bit of a wild choice, I admit, because there were better left backs. Yeah. You know, Andy Thompson, Lee Naylor, you know, I could name more. But Sam Ricketts, for me, came in at the perfect time. And I think if he hadn't have come in as the captain, as Kenny Jackett's general... We may have stayed down in League One for a long time to come and we wouldn't be experiencing what we've experienced since then. So yeah. that's the reason why I've gone for Sam Ricketts. I think if we'd have gone for a, a few big-name players on big salaries coming down, hoping they get us up, I don't think that would have worked. And I think the mixture of youth and experience that uh, Kenny Jackett got in that particular period, I think, was, was testament to the fact what, you know, why... Why we got why and, and, and the manner we got promoted. I was just going to ask Steve. So if you got Sam Ricketts at left back, when did you commentate with him? <laughs> I, I know he's doing commentary now. I think for BBC Radio Manchester because he used to play for Bolton, but we we haven't had the we haven't had the pleasure yet. Okay, brilliant, mate, brilliant. So your two centre backs uh, are going to be Steve. Okay, uh, the first. Uh, centre back is actually someone that I have commentated on. Here we go, here we go. (laughs) And also, I've been on his testimonial committee, so that gives it away. Uh, It is Jodie Craddock. Jodie Craddock. I mean, listen, once again, I know Jodie personally. Jodie, as as good as a professional he was, um, as humble as a man he was, just what a, a, a lovely, lovely person. 
and it, what a player. I think he's very underrated, Jody. I think it's quite easy because he lives his life right off the pitch and he does, you know, he's squeaky clean, if you like. You know, no one's got anything on Jody ever, and rightly so. But um, what a player he was. Yeah, I, I think, again, a bit like Tomo, that dependable tag. And yeah. like you said, under underrated, I think... As the chant itself goes, I'm not going to sing it. But as the chant itself goes, it, it took it took the fans a few years to actually realise. Hang on, this guy is good. Yes. He is solid, and he is an ultimate professional. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he ended up getting a testimonial and playing for ten years for Wolves. Yes, but I think you forget that he went off on loan to Stoke, didn't he? Yeah. And he proved himself there and came back and worked his way back into Mick McCarthy's plans. And I think... And ended up... Sorry, go on. go on. No, go on, Steve, sorry. I was just saying that, you know, he ended up... Um, he was you know he ended up lifting the Championship trophy with Carl Henry and, you know, going on to serve us in the Premier League again. I mean, exactly that. He went to Stoke when his career, to be honest, we all thought was all but over. Um, he wasn't playing, you know, particularly well, but I don't think he was playing particularly bad. And I think at the time, um, Mick McCarthy literally really did see it as a bit of an exit route for him, you know, go out and play football and maybe prove himself at Stoke, which would have been a great move. And then he come back to Wolves after four games and he was like a new player and it was a new lease of life for him. And like you said, he then went on to, to um, get us into the Premier League and, and have a wonderful, you know, another four or five years after that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he scored a couple of bangers. Do you remember that volley against Barney oh, in the Cup? What a goal that was. I think he, <laughs> I think he's dined out on that, to be honest, because that is a yeah, hell of a goal. It, yeah, he doesn't like to talk about it. No, no, but yes, I mean, Jody, what, what a play. What, like I said, very underrated. Who is going to uh, partner Mr. Craddock? Yeah, the person that's going to par- partner him is someone who was alongside Jody for a, for a little bit, uh, and it's Jolie and Lescott. Jolie and Lescott. I mean, listen, Jolie and obviously product of the Wolves youth team. Um, I, look, I, I remember him at, at Wolves, um, and he was a great player. Once again, missed the Premier League campaign, but I don't even, you know, I remember watching him, and I. I Listen, I couldn't have foreseen the career he was going to have, but what a career he had and what a player he was. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have said he, he would have gone on to be a Premier League winner and England international playing at World Cups and, and all yeah. that. But you could tell how much of a quality player he was. You know, he just was so comfortable on the ball, you know. But could he, you know, great tackler, great in the air, but as I say, comfortable on the ball and he. He oozed class, and I always remember, of course, because he, 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 like what we've talked about with Matt Murray, he missed pretty much the entirety of yes. that Premier League season. Again, what difference would he have made? We'll, we'll never know. But, you know, he came back, and obviously he had to prove himself and get back fit. But you could tell, even after he'd come back from that injury, he was too good for the championship. He was oh. too good for that level. He, he... And I think. I think there was an agreement with Jez Moxie, by all accounts, that if we didn't get promoted and bounce straight back, then he could go. And obviously, he went off to Everton, didn't he? Yes. I mean, look, he, you know, that Jolene and Matt, that Premier League season, in Dave Jones' podcast, very interestingly, 
he said obviously when I went to discuss the transfer war chest with Sir Jack Hayward um, I got offered three million quid and he said listen I couldn't replace Jolien or Matt with that three million quid so it was going to do nothing for us and I think there were such big losses I'm not saying we'd have stopped up but if we'd have had Matt and Jolien in the team that would have made a huge difference to that campaign yeah, certainly. I think it was better than Paul Jones in the second coming and Isaac Okoronkwo, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, listen, it, this, it would have yeah. been a lot better than that. Isaac Okoronkwo was, of course, on, on my bench. <laughs> it would have been egg. It, it wasn't really. Bad luck. Um, so, <laughs> moving to right wing, uh, right midfield, who have you gone for down the flank, Steve? Okay, again tough and um, because I'll, well, I'll tell you shortly who the person is um, because I've been a bit cheeky with the formation because primarily they probably would be more comfortable on the left wing nice. um, Michael Kiley sticks out for me as someone who just missed out I think injuries really and once again another great episode of yours oh thank you sure yeah kind straight sure, sure, yeah yeah really nice man really nice lad um, and I'm sure people can go back in the archives and listen to that. And I encourage them to do so because he goes into great detail, doesn't he? About he does, he does. The injuries that he suffered and the timing of the injuries and perhaps some of the treatment that he did or didn't get towards the end of the championship winning season. Because I think you forget, actually, I, I certainly forgot that he wasn't involved on that final day. You just have that picture yeah. in your mind that he was part of that squad, but, but he, wasn't. he didn't get to... No, he didn't get to celebrate it with everybody else, which was such a shame because, you know, he got plucked out of nowhere, non-league from Greys. And I mean, what a signing. Mm. What, what a, if we're talking about bargain signings and the greatest signings, I think he would make it into this team. But uh, Kites just misses out. Yeah. So, so does, which is giving away one of my left-wing choices maybe, but so also does Robbie Dennison. Right. Which shows I'm not biased towards my co-commentators because yeah, Robbie Dennison was the Robbie. first. He was the first person I commentated on a Wolves game with. Oh, was he? Yeah, it, um, in the Premier League, it was uh, Wolves against Sunderland. Uh, Stephen Fletcher scored twice. It was actually um, and uh, Jody Craddock's last game in the Premier League. I yes. think as well. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Because Jody's last game in the Premier League was against Sunderland, and his last goal for Wolves was also against Sunderland in a different game. That's it. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I remember that game well. So it was tough not to pick Robbie, not just because of the co-commentary thing, yeah. not just because he was a fantastic winger. Um, you know, he could deliver crosses brilliantly. But also difficult because, of course, now he delivers the mail. Yes, he and does, my, in Stanbridge. And, and my, um, yeah, and my postman told me that if I didn't pick him, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, I haven't picked him, so sorry, Mr. Postman. Postman Matt. That's no joke. That's, that's the name of my postman, Postman Matt. Oh, really? So, yeah, so I apologise to him, Matt Collins, for not picking... Robbie Dennison. Anyway, I digress. The person yes. who made it in, Jace, I apologise. I don't the worry. Person who made it, the person who made it in was Matt Jarvis. Matt Jarvis. Now, Matt, uh, funnily enough, is the uh, the guest speaker this week on the Wolf Whistle, this Friday. Matt Jarvis. Listen, once again, 
you know, when we signed Matt Jarvis, I don't care how seasoned a Wolves fan you was or how much you knew your football, whatever, right? Would you have, you know, really known much about Matt Jarvis? No, you wouldn't. But he come into that side and he might as well have put his slippers on because he fitted straight in and what an exciting player to watch. Yeah, it really was. And that, and like I said, that's why it's difficult not to pick Kitely in the team as well because Kitely on the right, Jarvis on the left, what a combination they were. Just absolutely superb. And, and Jarvis had, I, I absolutely loved watching him, that skill where he could take it on his right, down the wing, on his right foot, to the byline, back onto his left foot, you know, he'd send the fullback one way, then the other, and then get a, a pitch perfect cross in. And not only that, but he's st- because I think Kitely stopped. Kitely doesn't get in just because of those injuries, even though he very briefly showed it before he left uh, Wolves. I know that Bez, in his uh, his episode with you on the Journo's Journal, talked about that game against Aston Villa, and I yes, remember yes, that. But, yes. but Jarvis. Jarvis stepped up consistently because he remained injury free and of course got an England cap for it. Well um, and I, so yeah. Listen, with with that, I, I mean there was no one more deserved because once again we, we spoke about Jody being a great lad. Matt Jarvis once again, really, really nice guy, and people will obviously see that in the podcast. And and no one deserved it more than Matt. It's just a shame that he didn't win more. But, you know, as Wolves fans, what a time for, for, you know, and we've had it recently with Conor Cody. It's always a special moment, isn't it, when one of your players gets an England cap? Yeah, it really was. I think, uh, I know you've told the tale about the fact that you were there, which <laughs> yeah. fair play to you. I, I was just watching it on the telly and, and you were just sitting there going, come on, bring him on, bring him on, yeah. come on. Uh, and yeah, it's just a source of pride to see him wearing, you know, to see a Wolves player after so long wearing that three lions and the England top, and, and it was fully deserved. And once again, I think because, I mean, maybe it was to their detriment, but that squad that Mick McCarthy built, for the large part, of course, there are a couple of exceptions, but for the large part, that was a great squad of young, hun- hungry, determined, but nice guys as well. Yeah. They were an they because I was um, I was at Beacon Radio back then as a, a young journalist. Yes. So, um, it, you know, I was fortunate that they were a nice bunch of guys to be able to interview, and I had some great chats with them. And Matt Jarvis was was one of the few, you know, even after a defeat in the toughest of seasons, he was one of the few that would actually stop and talk to you and, and, and have a chat and yeah just a, a really nice guy but a brilliant footballer to boot and I think that's full credit to Mick because when he did put that side together with these young players I think yes ability is clearly very important but also I think he wanted to get the right sort of people in yeah certainly um, I think that's I think it was partly motivated or not motivated but um pushed by budget certainly for the championship winning yes. squad that he built yes i mean you look at you know i, me- I mentioned kevin foley earlier but well uh, and you said it yourself there were players who i'm sorry but not many people would have heard of half of the players no. that yeah, matt doherty stephen ward kevin foley everyone knew about andy keogh because of the partnership he had with billy sharp at yes. but uh, but Michael Kiteley, Matt Jarvis, uh, you know, I think people knew about Sylvan Ebanks-Blake, obviously. 
but he found some gems and some rough diamonds and he cultivated them into international footballers. He certainly did. He certainly did. So, Matt Jarvis on the right. Who is going to be your left winger, Steve? Okay. Um, going back to left field once again, literally. Yeah. But I've, gone, I've gone for Bakary Sacco. Bakary Sacco making his <laughs> debut in the... <laughs> Making his debut in the best 11s now. For me, Bakary, um, yeah, listen, when he first came once again, I, I didn't know too much about him. Very, very skillful. Um, and I think it was a bit of a strange one, really, because he'd be 30 yards out. He had a bit of a run and a bit of a gait to his run where he didn't look like he was going to smash it. Yet, he didn't have much of a backswing and he could literally pick the top corner from 25, 30 yards with very little effort. And, you know... At that particular time, he was just the play we needed. And that's that's it. Uh, like I said, I appreciate it's a very wild choice because clearly, Kitely and Dennison, in a best 11, yeah. would get in on talent and skill and lots of other things. But I think Bakary Sacco, once again, you know, I mean... I think people forget that he was actually signed by Stella Solbeck. Um, he was the he <laughs> was the one that. signing that he was the one signing that worked. Yeah. Um, and crucially, once again, um, he stayed with the team in League One just when we needed it because yeah. he he was by far and above way better than anything in League One. Yeah. You know? Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah, and and he could score goals from all sorts of angles. You know, the you know, that left foot was an absolute rocket when he wanted to be. Yes. And I, I know that you know it was partly because the club themselves turned the moves down. But you know, he could have gone to Fulham. He could have gone to Nottingham Forest in the transfer window in the early days of League One. He probably would have wanted to go, but the club turned it down. But crucially for him. He got his head down and got on with it. And oh. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He did. I mean, for me, I think with Sacco, there was just a little bit of inconsistency where if he turned up on his day, you know, he could he could be a bit of a world beater. But if he didn't turn up, he, he, he went missing. Um, but once again, he's one of them players as well who in the last minute, you can be 1-0 down looking for a draw and he'll... he'll Pop one in from twenty yards, and if that's you know that's the case, then you know these players are obviously worthy of their position. Um, but yeah, just a little bit of inconsistency for me. So we're going to move now into centre midfield, Steve, because you've got two creative wingers who are going to be the two midfielders in the engine room. Okay, the the first choice was was pretty easy, and it's the governor Paul Ince. Paul Ince, Paul Ince. I mean, listen. When we signed Paul, um, it, you know, it doesn't matter how old these players are, we needed experience, and he come in and he had experience to boot. Um, it, you know, he, he was a leader as well, um, more importantly. And, you know, him and Dennis Irwin, for me, were two fantastic signings and pivotal in that promotion season. Yeah, I remember reading when they'd arrived and, and you were like, wow, Dennis Irwin... And Paul Ince are going to be coming to play for the Wolves. Like you yeah. said, their their best years were beyond them. Yes. But for me, especially especially with the way that the season before ended so demoralising, um, you know, we, we, we've given up the massive lead um, 
and I'll say no more because it is still painful. But um, when we signed Paul Ince and Dennis Irwin, that to me was, that's a game changer. Yes. And it was a sign of intent. And I think it gave the team, the fans... Confidence. I think it gave them their confidence back. Yeah. And, you know, because they weren't involved in what had happened the season before. No. And I think at the end of the day, having someone like Paul Ince, you know, uh, again, Matt Murray in, in, in the interview I did with him talked about, you know, he was the governor. He was the first black England captain. Yes. He was, you know, everyone knew what he'd done. He'd been there, done that, and he was coming to Wolves. And it, and it did, as it proved, made a, a massive difference. And once again, as well, he, you know, after the relegation from the Premier League, he stuck around for a bit longer as well. Oh, he did. And I remember Matt Marini's Best Eleven podcast about Paul Ings. He said that, you know, as young players or, you know, youngish players, he said, he always used to say to us, listen, if you're in trouble, just give me the ball. If you've got, if I've got three men around me, if you've got three men around, just give me the ball. And you know, he said, Matt, if you, you're struggling for someone to, to to roll it out, get it out. He said, just give me the ball. He said, let me take the pressure off you. And that's the sort of play you want in the team, isn't it? Yeah, he took control of, of situations. I mean, I remember, you know, in that season, it was pivotal for me that the win over Newcastle in the FA Cup. Yes. You know, under the lights at Molyneux, and he took the game, but he scored a great goal, but he also took the game by the scruff of the neck. And I think that was the game that gave the team confidence to say, we can do this. And and they went on a a fantastic run for the rest of the season, didn't they? Yes, certainly did. Certainly did. So, Paul Ince, the governor, who is partnering, Mr Ince? Okay, another controversial choice. Oh, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Who is it? It's not Jens Duve. Oh, thank God that. I'll scribble him out then. (laughs) I'll tell you who I I did consider very briefly, very, very, very briefly, was uh, Fernando Gomez. Fernando Gomez? He's a bit of a, what what obviously we know as a a cult hero, where they don't achieve much, but, you know, I'll tell you what, he he was a decent player, good dead ball specialist as well. Yeah, he could, he could ping a pass, you know, from 40 yards, uh, just like Connor Cody now. Yeah. Um, you know, he could he could ping a pass, but again, his years were behind him. And, and of course, after a distinguished career in, uh, career in La Liga, playing for Valencia, yes. he uh, he ended up playing at the new books head for Wolves Reserves at Telford. He must have thought, what uh, have I come to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, he just missed out. Yeah. Uh, and the, the person I've gone for... Um, Honourable mentions, by the way, for... I could have gone for Alex Ray, Colin Cameron, Jeff Thomas, Paul Cook. I could have gone for Carl Henry. Um, But I've gone for Dave Edwards. Dave? Dangerous Dave? I mean, (laughs) once again, listen, um, I don't think Dave will mind me saying this. The problem is with Wolves fans, uh, I think they're like most other football fans, in terms of uh, they do need a scapegoat. And, and towards the end, Dave got a bit of grief. And, and it was a shame, really, because for me, he was, um, uh, you know, a very, a very trustworthy player. Um, he, he was very consistent. Um, you know, he wasn't, once again, he wasn't a spectacular goal scorer or, you know, firing him in from 30 yards. But that wasn't his game. But I think Dave was a very, very consistent performer for Wolves. 
Yeah, I mean, you say he got grief towards the end. To be honest, I think he got grief throughout his career at Wolves. Well, and I yeah. think it was, it, it was in my eyes quite unfair. I mean, he was a, a box-to-box player. Yes. You know, he could he could tackle, he could break up the play if he wanted to. But Just what we're looking get... for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and he could be the type of player that, as you say, that Wolves need now, you know, we see in Dendonka at the moment, get yeah. into those positions, but not score them. Yeah, Dave Edwards, uh, you know, Dave Edwards could get into the box and make those late runs and he would put them away. Oh, um, he scored a few um, goals. Um, yeah, 41 goals. For, yeah, bloody yeah, 41 goals honest. he got. Um, you know, and, and nine years of service. You know, he was close. He was close to a testimonial, yeah. and I think he would have, he would have deserved it. And 100%. I think that's part of the that's part of the reason as well. I think nine years of service to be part of that championship winning squad yes. to step up to step up your game and perform in the Premier League. He was part of the Wales squad that got to the yes. Euros as yeah. well. Good international career. Yeah, very good. And and once again, I have to admit, you know, along with Matt Jarvis, um, he was another one of those nice guys who yes. would always, always speak to you after a game. So I have to admit there's a bit of biasness in there as well. But um, I just think for that box-to-box, he, he had, he may not have been the best, yeah. but he did have, you know, it's kind of that, um, was it Jack of all trades, master of none? Yeah. Which is a bit... That sounds a bit harsh. No. But I think he had a bit of everything. He wasn't the best, but he did have a bit of everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think he complements my midfield. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So, I'll tell you what, you've had some real surprise choices here. So, who are going to be your two goal scorers? I mean, if you're going to go for Havard, Flo and Sammy Aljubert, I mean, you're going to fall out, mate. <laughs> you stole the name Samuel Jabbar from the uh, tip of my tongue there, Jay, so I was going to say that. <laughs> Brilliant. So, who's going to get your goals in, Steve? All right. Uh, I mean, he is the headline and the main event. So, to keep the second choice a surprise, I will say the first. And it is, of course, Stephen George Bull. I mean, listen... Bully, you know, obviously from that era, he's a lot of former players' choices, especially. Um, and I always r- rattle off a little stat, you know, obviously 561 appearances for all, 306 goals, 13 England caps, four goals in that time. And those people that knock him, oh, he couldn't do it in the Premier League or the top flight, he didn't do it there. Nobody doing it on an international stage. And out of them, 306 goals. A hundred, a hundred or over a hundred were with his left foot and he was right-footed. That is testament to the player. Yeah, just, I, you know, I said about Mickey Stell having his posters. Of course, the other person I had the posters yeah. of was Steve Ball. I still am. And... Well, I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Um it's, I'll, I'll tell you what I've still got. I've got the, I'm holding it right now. It's the shirt that I wore when I was Wolves' mascot back in uh, 1994. Does he still fit? It doesn't, I was just about to say, funnily enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, at Bolton's Burnden Park, I was the mascot on a che- uh, Graham Taylor's first game in charge. But anyway, um, yeah, Steve Ball just, I mean, what can you say? Just yeah. an ultimate legend what a goal scorer the the first world cup that i remember yeah personally was the ninth was italia 90 the 1990 world cup 
Saint Saint and Greavesy, you know, going bully's going to get you. Yeah, and just again remembering, even though I was only a young kid, just remembering that pride that one of our players. I mean, just remember, you know, Sir Bobby Robson. What a what a call for him to give a chance to someone like Steve Bull at the level that he was playing at at the time. Yes, that was that was a big call, but. If you think about it, you know we, uh, you know, people didn't have scouts and Prozone and and all this back yeah. then. They wouldn't have known much about Steve Bull. You know, the Italian defence and whoever the Belgians wouldn't have known about Steve Bull. So actually, it was a genius choice from Sir Bobby Robson. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. And just you know, all those. I mean, I. I mentioned I grew up as a goalkeeper, but I played six months outfield for Cuford Eagles, yeah. and I scored I scored one goal. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a tap in from six yards, and I did the aeroplane celebration <laughs> and went behind the goal onto my knees. You know, I mean, how many how many of us did that back yeah. in the day? I think that's it. I think that World Cup for me was just fantastic. I was at the time thirteen years of age. Um, and I think especially after the, the, the years that Wolves had had uh, where we'd obviously gone from the first to the fourth and then we started climbing back and then to have a player who was at the time on his England debut a third division player was, was just so, so special for the club. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I remember the, the 200th goal against Leicester, I think it was, yeah. and the 300th against Bradford, you know, all those goals. It was just... I think I look back on it and go, how lucky was I to see such a legend play for our club? You know, yes. everybody, you know, he's got a stand named after him now. Everybody will talk about Steve Ball and we were there when yeah. he was in his prime. Yeah. Um, I have to say as well, um, just one more thing on Steve Ball. Of course, now, you know, since I've been lucky enough to interview him a few times, but he is still, and I've, I've interviewed a, you know, a few high profile people. But he's still one of the people that I'm like, a steeple, that is. He's still nervous, brilliant. Yeah, and which is strange because he's such a lovely down-to-earth bloke. But uh, just another story about that as well. Yeah. I remember, do you, do you remember in the, in the club shop, they had a T-shirt which said, legend in old gold lettering. Right. And it was just the, and it was just the face of a player. Right, yeah, I do actually, yes. And it was like a bit of a cartoon face sort of thing. Yes, I had the legend T-shirt with Steve Ball's face on it. And I happened to be wearing it in the office at Beacon Radio. And who walked in the office? (laughs) The legend himself. (laughs) The legend himself. And I was like, oh, God, how sad do I look? I'm wearing wearing a T-shirt with Steve Ball's face on it. And he's just walked into my workplace. This is bizarre that but, is um, brilliant but, but yeah, he appreciated it to be fair brilliant who is going to partner uh, the Wolves legend Steve Ball up top okay um, so just a, a very honourable mentions for the ones who missed out uh, Ebanks Blake banged in the goals in the championship yes yeah, great predator I thought Kevin Doyle worked hard up front for Wolves yeah. he did a thankless task Stephen Fletcher, he could score goals with his head, with his feet. You know, good striker again. Um, did all right. Andy Much, of course. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have Bully without Muchy and the work that he put in, all the goals that he put uh, scored as well. 
But the person I've gone for is one of the most skillful, best players I have ever seen at Molyneux, still to this day, and it's Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. I mean, look, Wolves over the years um, have had a, a fantastic, um, you know, youth policy. Uh, Especially, you, you went back to that period and I think there was a bit of a, a devoid through the 90s. I think Colin Taylor come through in the late 80s. Uh, I think it was about 89, 90. And then early 90s, you know, it wasn't really churning out the, the, the you know, the youth players that we'd hoped for. And for those years, um, we'd be signing players, obviously, big paydays coming down from the top flight. And then up pop Robbie Keane and what a player he was. Yeah, I I, um, I remember seeing him play for the first time. Don't ask me why, but as a family, we went up to a pre-season friendly in 1997 to watch Wolves at Dundee United. Yes. And, <laughs> and that was the first time I ever saw Robbie Keane play. And there had been a few murmurings at the time that, oh, there's this lad who's been banging in goals in the youth team. Um and, you know, he's, he's pretty good. But I remember watching him in that... I know it was only a pre-season friendly, but I remember watching it and you could tell. You could tell then, you know, just a, a young teenage kid that he looked absolutely quality. He was doing tricks and making the opposition players look like fools. And, of course, he would then go on to do it in the championship. You know, two goals on his debut against Norwich yeah. and... Some of, just some of the goals. I mean, I I just wish he was. I, I wish we were able to see him just a little bit longer at Wolves. That's the that's the only thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in my opinion, he went he went for too little money to to, to Coventry. Um, you know, I think it was six million. I think that was his buyout clause, effectively, um, or, or, or that was what the club wanted at least. And. With Robbie, I mean, on the Colin Lee podcast, he said he was the most naturally skillful, um, you know, uh, raw talent that he'd worked with. And Neil Emblen in his podcast said, look, we went to Scotland, we played in that, and we unearthed this player. Um, and, and, and what a player he went on to be. Yeah, I, I think un undoubtedly, you know, Republic of Ireland's top goal scorer, um, just so skillful. Like I said, he was, you know, what I've said about Bully um, over a longer period, but just for two years, watching Robbie Keane do what he did was just, again, amazing to watch some of the skill. And and I know it's not, um, it was fashionable for a little bit, but I, I think Robbie Keane was one of the first opposition players to not celebrate when he scored against Wolves, his yeah. former side. And I, I always remember looking back on that. And like I said, I think it's become a bit fashionable. I think a lot of players do it now just because they feel like they have to. But I, he genu he didn't celebrate because he genuinely didn't want to. Even, you know, fast forward to when he had that lone spell against Aston Villa. I talked about that game when, you know, in the game that Michael, uh, Michael Kiteley played really well in. Uh, Robbie Keane scored a couple in that and yeah. he didn't celebrate then. So he clearly had a lot to thank Wolves for and a lot of good memories of course you know one of his best mates still to this day is Matt Murray as well and um, yeah just just an absolutely skillful talented player and a bit like Jolie and Lescott what we said earlier I don't think you would have known maybe exactly what he would go on to achieve Ireland's top goal scorer but yeah what a player oh 
what a player. And I don't think any of us expected the, the, the career that he went on to have, although he was such a talent. Uh, who's going to manage this great side, Steve? Yeah, um, again, tough because I've got a soft spot for Graham Turner, the first manager yeah. when I started watching. Um, you know, what a job he did bringing Wolves through the leagues. Amazing. Um, we talked... We talked about Kenny Jackett, the job he did, you know, to get Wolves out of League One. That was vital. Graham Taylor, uh, I mentioned just now, you know, I was the mascot for his first game in charge at, at Bolton and it just didn't work out. But the the manager of the team for me is Mick McCarthy. Super Mick. I mean, Mick coming, um, you know, it, it, look, we... we, we, we We'd been in that. We'd been through managers, and it was so frustrating. Um, and I think he just come at a time when we really needed, a, you know, a bit of stability. And I think we was we'd lost we'd lost a bit of faith. Uh, and and you know, I wasn't expecting him to to, to get promotion um, as quickly as he did. But what a job he did! Yeah, absolutely fantastic. You know, Glenn Hoddle had, had left Wolves in the lurch. You know, he just disappeared right on the eve of pre-season pretty much and yeah. Mick McCarthy had, had to come in with no money hardly um, any players you know, he, and, he, and he assigned all the, this ragtag bunch of players young and hungry but yes. you know as we said earlier he picked them up out of nowhere and what a job he did and you know three seasons in the Premier League you know that's that's about to be matched hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, that you start yeah. Yeah, but um, but you know, I think you can't forget what a job he did. I think a lot of fans, unfortunately, will look back on. You know, they survived by the skin of the teeth against Blackburn, but again, what what a day, what an experience that was. Yeah. Um, but and maybe he should have gone after that. Hindsight, what a wonderful thing that is. I think it was very harsh. I, I, I was very sad, you know, when he went because yeah. it was the end of an era. And also talking, not just from a fan's point of view, of him getting us back in the Premier League, but from a journalist and a media point of view, he was great. Oh, you he know, was gold, he, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, again, I look back on it now and go, how lucky was I that I was one of the reporters? That It was a weekly highlight yeah. just to go to a Mick McCarthy press conference to yeah. see what he would say. And don't get me wrong, you, you had to be careful, and he could be spiky sometimes, yeah. but he would do it... It wasn't with malice, um, you know. He was nice about it. You know, he would make you look silly if you asked a silly question. And one of the examples would be Jay. Yeah. You were in the dugout for this because it was Jody Craddock's testimonial. Yes. And I was the pitch. I was the pitch side reporter for WM that day, and um, and I just said to I said I said to Mick, you know. Do you mind if we have a chat live on air? And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And, come in, and Terry Connor stepped out of the way to let me stand in the dugout and you were there on the bench, as I yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And I just went... So, and my first opening line was, so Mick, does it feel strange being in the dugout? And he just <laughs> deadpan straight away went, no, not really. I spent several years here. And <laughs> I mean, that, that was... Yeah, go on. Was, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, what was your reaction? Because uh, I remember you laughing your head off. Listen, that was it was a surreal day for me because um, Mick McCarthy, who I'd revered, I was on the bench next to him, um, and he brought me on as substitute for Sylvan Ebanks Blake. 
in a double substitution with George Ellicobi and my life was literally complete in about 30 seconds. And I remember going on the pitch um, and my first touch of the ball was just awful. And Alex Ray screamed at me like it was a Premier League game. He was going, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I went, thanks, Alex. <laughs> but um, great, great memories. So your team, Steve, is Matt Murray in goal, Andy Thompson right back, Sam Ricketts left back, centre-half pairing of Jody Craddock and Jolie and Lescott, right wing Matt Jarvis, left wing Bakary Sacco, Centre midfield of Paul the Governor Ince, Dave Dangerous Edwards, or Dangerous Dave Edwards. Up front, Steve Bull, Robbie Keane, and the manager, Mick McCarthy. You pleased with that team, Steve? I mean, now you've read it out. Um, can, I, can I start again? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Um, it's so difficult. Yeah. And I know there's, we've had two players who've, who've refused to do it, um, Don Goodman and Kenny Hibbert, because they said, look, if we play with that many great players, we couldn't possibly uh, pick 11, and it's not fair. But there's other players who've loved doing it, but they've said it, it, it was a, a really, really tough thing to do. Yeah, well, there's. I mean, I've looked at it because I, I wrote a few extra names down for honourable mentions. Yeah. And totting up the whole team, I've got 31 players. Oh, it was, <laughs> and it could have been even more than that because you remember certain yeah. players for certain things. You, um, you know, there's certain players, i.e. Ludo Pole, and, you know, I always refer to Ludo, what, you know, didn't really achieve that much and didn't play that many games, sadly. But what a player he was, you know. But would you pick him over Jody Craddock and Jolie and Lescott? You know, you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And funnily enough, my dad mentioned Ludo Polly when I because I went, I went. He was like my assistant manager. I went through the team with him, and uh, he, he said, "What about Ludo?" Uh, I said, "What about John DeWolf?" Yes, you could go on. It's 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 harder than you think. And, and like I said. The team that I've picked may not be the best 11 on paper as such, but I think that there are certainly uh, sentimental reasons for some of them getting in ahead of others. Well, Steve, it was a, it was a, it's a great team. We really appreciate you coming on the Wolf Whistle today. So, A, I know you're a regular listener, but B, obviously we always value your input and opinion. Uh, I love personally listening to you on the radio. And um, thank you for coming on the Wolf Whistle today. You are welcome on this podcast anytime. Top man, appreciate it. Really, really appreciate you asking me. Cheers, Steve.